0: Everybody, how are y'all doing? Well, awesome. All right, so I really appreciate you all being here present. There's definitely something about being present in the community. Even online is somewhat of a presence together, and that means a lot to me. So thank you for making the decision to wake up at 8.45 on a Sunday. And if you were in choir at 7.00. Or if you were Bill or me, at six something. Thank you for being here. Today we're going to, this is the Joy Sunday. Everybody say joy. Joy. Please. So three of the passages in the lectionary lock in to the idea of leaning into joy when you don't experience it. Or for this community, maybe they were in exile and having to believe and practice something they're not experiencing. I love this idea of joy because I'm not someone who typically just has absorbent amounts of joy, but I love the people in my life that help me to lean into joy, to celebrate when we can. If there's something to celebrate, celebrate it, right? Like the, I didn't get to see what y'all were doing during the choir songs, but those were songs that the community of God has the chance to shout out loud with, right? My prayer and I hope you were able to interact and not just watch. I hope you could move from a watcher to an experiencing what the communion of the ecclesia gets to do and koinonia together as we worship God, right? Like, I hope that that is something that you can experience. I hope you give yourself the liberty to do that, even when you don't feel it, because this community and these communities hadn't necessarily experienced yet what God was going to do, and neither had John the Baptist or the people walking into the river that we talked about last week. They're hearing of a Messiah that was coming. It's been prophesied about. It's someone they expected. Maybe they had the wrong impression of what he would be, like many of us do. But they have the opportunity to lean into something that was coming that wasn't there yet. We're in a similar spot as well in the ways in our lives in which we see the fruit of God and then the areas that we definitely don't. We have to ultimately choose to trust and believe God is good and faithful even when we don't feel it. That's not lying to yourself. I used to think it was. I used to think, oh, I'm just going to live what I feel. But that's, that's not helpful when you go through a season like the psalmist did. But to put your feet where you know God is true, even if you don't experience it yet, is not a lie. It's not a lie to sing a song. It's a faith action. It's believing for something you don't experience yet. But I chose not to talk about joy today. And I almost did <laughs> I was actually almost starting a second message this week because it was joy, and then in my car as I was driving, I felt like God was saying, do not move into that. I have something that you need to stay in, and it's about John the Baptist. And last week, if you were here, you heard that John the Baptist had heard from God in the wilderness, and in the wilderness, he takes what he hears into the communities around him and tells them, come, be baptized, repent. He takes what he hears from God outside of the busyness, outside of Rome, brings it back. He doesn't bring Rome out to the desert and create a mini-Rome. There's something new happening. And he shares with them, come, be baptized, come, repent. And we talked about how for us in this season to really be an Advent people, we have to step outside of our versions of Rome, which is pretty clear for American Christians or even Western Christians. We're the busiest people in the world. I mean, there are people in our world that have a certain time of day, they all nap together. That's an awesome thing. I did a mission trip in Spain once, and it was like 2 to 4, and they were like, we're just shutting down. I was like, who who says you're allowed to do that? (laughs) They all just go home and take a nap. Businesses shut down. Anybody anybody ever been there? Americans are like, no, that's not a good idea. That's not good. That's not proficient. (laughs) We are people who stay busy and produce, and the more we can produce, the more valuable we are. We're asked to step outside of that. Your value is not in what you accomplish, even for the kingdom of God. Your value is not in what you accomplish. So you have to step out of that version of Rome to hear the voice that's maybe always been speaking. You are my child. I'm drawing you. Come to these waters. Repent, be baptized, be filled by the Messiah. Live your life with the Messiah. Right? Like, So this week we're going to step into the next part of that. But I just want to take a moment to talk a little bit about context. Everybody say context. I'm not going to give you historical context here. Many of you nerds would want that. I feel the same when I'm listening to somebody speak. I'm going to give you natural context. Say the word river. I love me a river, right? Who likes rivers? I feel like I talk about rivers and lakes almost every week. The context for this is a river. And if you've ever been to a river... You notice when you get nearer to the river, usually it gets greener the closer you are. In fact, if you're ever lost in the middle of a jungle, maybe, look for low areas that seem very green, because guess what might be there? Animals. (laughs) Next to a river, right? So if you ever go to a river, you must know this. Life comes out of rivers. But where there is life, there are also dangers. I remember two specific instances. One in college, I walked at a, I was at a friend's farm uh, at Lee University and we walked next to a river and a snake about that long and that fat, which if you're from the south and it's a short, it's not a, long, not a long snake and it's fat, it's one kind of snake. And it's the kind you do not wanna hang out with, right? And it jumped in the river, right? Every time I'm watching a natural show with my kids, which is my favorite kind to watch, and there's a river involved and it's like National Geographic. It's always really beautiful. There's one specific instance where we're watching, I think, elephants try and cross a river with our whole family. And about three steps in you start to realize, oh, this could be about to become very different than this beautiful family, as all of the creatures from the water. And and that's what happens and places like this, that the water is a place where things live that can destroy baby elephants. So that's your lesson. That's it today. That's all you're getting today. So, amen? <laughs> so joyful, joyful, we. Here's, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. If you were to go towards a river and not make mental space for those kinds of things, that's on you. You gotta be ready. The wilder the river, the more that kind of stuff. I'll even tell you, you go to Chattahoochee Coffee Company and you step near that river, I would still say be careful. Right? Don't walk to a river without realizing what else might be there. And as we walk towards the waters of our baptism, as we walk towards the river of God, it's called in the Old Testament, we have this ability to interact with these beasts, these things that surface within our lives, and they're always surfacing the closer we get to the river because they're those things that would keep us from going in the river, I think. I know for me, it's addiction-related things. That's a, that's a common thread through my history all the way from when I was 12 all the way through. Now it's something I have to be conscious of. That escape surfaces as, as I get nearer to the, water, the waters of Jesus where he would bring life, Those things surface. And so today as we read this story, I want you to keep a context. This is all around a river, right? And this is from Luke 3, 7 through 18. You can open your Bibles, turn on your phones, or read along up here. I'm gonna read from here. And this is John the Baptist talking through the lens of Luke. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We got Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able to, from these stones, raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John's different, like, I do want an Advent book with just John the Baptist. It's only found in bars and pubs, and even there, you know. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics or coats, in other translations, is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Whoever has more food than you actually need, do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? Same question. And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do so. Hmm. Soldiers, interestingly, were there, also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation to, I'm not even going to dive into this strange response that I would be like who do you think as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ John answered them all saying I baptize you with water water but he who is mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. <laughs> and so, with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. <laughs> what in the world? He, just our framework is so different than this. That's considered good news. And so it's not to us just hearing that, but it is. And I'm going to try and do my best to share what I believe has been revealed through this text with me. But I want you to take note, these are not the kind of words that make room for people to just get comfy. Just light another candle. Just put on the fire. Let's listen to some Dean Martin. This is not that kind of advent. This is the kind of advent that has eyes on a Messiah, that has a much richer, deeper way, but the entry into that is not one that we are typically comfortable with. So we get a clear picture of John, still in the wild, preaching to a group of people. This is how he preaches to a group that chose to be there. So this is similar to us that come to church. These are the people that are like, we're kind of in. We're kind of, we're kind of digging this. We're leaving Rome. Tax collectors, the crowds, cetera, all kinds of people. The soldiers have left Rome. They've done what we talked about last week. Now they're there and they're like, dude, tell me what's going on. Like, what do we do? And his first statement to them is, you brood of vipers. Who told you to come out here? He's the one who told them. He's asking a rhetoric. He's saying to them, you're a brood of vipers. I told you to come out here. Why? Right? Isn't that interesting? And then their first statement is, well, we're actually connected to Abraham. So we probably just needed to clear that up so that you understood our history. Like I've, I grew up in the church. I went to Mount Parent Central over here. So I've got good like bloodlines in this faith in this area. It was the biggest church for like 20 years in the 90s. I get some kind of clout connected to that. My family grew up Christian. My dad was really close with Paul Walker. He's in the back. He can tell you all about that. We, you know, we grew up there. We have just good. He says to them, I just want you to know, I don't really care about your bloodline at all. Like I, I don't, that to me is not, that's not doing anything. Because he's recognizing these people that came out of Rome, they came out, but they brought Rome with them. They came out to the river, They brought Rome with them, and they were like, we're going to kind of co-mingle this. It reminds me of what happened when they started worshiping at the bottom of the mountain, and there was people actually worshiping God in this mixture of these other gods they started to create, and he comes down off the mountain. He's like, what is happening? It reminds me of that. I think this is where we live, and if you can look past John, which you can't, if you want to find Christ, child, baby Jesus, you're traveling through J the B. That's the only route. There's one. There's not a collection of people that have the message. It's John the Baptist to start some of the gospels. And he's sent, and you are going through him into a river to meet the Christ child. You're not saying, I'm actually out of town. I know you're, you're gonna be in town around this time. I'm gonna be out of town. There's a, uh, there's a festival in Colorado at Red Rocks. I'll be there, but I'm coming back. So um, it's not that. It's, and this is what the prophets talked about Throughout the Old Testament, repentance is the first fruits of a harvest to come, and there's no other way to Jesus without it. And that's uncomfortable. When we think of repentance the way that we do, it's not good news like it says here. But if we can re-understand what's happening here, right? What, why, why would he say to them, your history doesn't matter? Why would he say to them, You're a brood of vipers. One of the versions, can you pull up the other version? such an interesting play. You brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? That's not comfortable. These are the people he asked to come, and they did come. You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? At this river, these things surface that we can either avoid or we can deal with with Jesus, we have Jesus. And so John's main goal has always been our main goal, and this will apply to you today and then for the rest of your life. Prepare the way for the Messiah, prepare the way. And the way to do that will always be you go low, you make room, and you allow into those places you've brought with you to the foot of the cross or into your walk that are actually harming you and the people around you to be cleansed by the acts of God the Father into an unquenchable fire. And it's good that that's an unquenchable fire because those desires in us do not stop. And so his burning fire also does not stop, quenching and cutting down the things within us that keep us from stepping fully into that river. Advent's about preparation, it's not about a Christmas tree, amen, good stuff, right? Good, good on you, you got a big tree, right? I got one too. We got stuff up everywhere, we're listening to Dean Martin, we're doing the stuff, right? Advent season is about preparing our hearts and it's not a one-time thing, right? Like repentance is not this, um, what's the series where there's like 712 books, none of them are good theologically, are they all involve yeah, left behind. <laughs> No, so, so it's not this like, it, it's not this, pick. repentance is not like a, here's where I check out. Check, I'm over here. It's not, a, it's not a way to flee the world. It's a way to be reimmersed rightly into the world. So when we say repentance, we mean make us holy as you are holy so that we can then be an offering to our world, in the world, not of it, in the world. Can I get amen? amen? Some of you are like, I don't know about that. I do know about it. So that's that's the call to be Christ-like. And if you want to talk about the specifics of what repentance looks like, this does not say make sure you are in the community of faith fasting and praying. I'm not saying it's not that. I'll be the first one to tell you the disciplines need to be restored within the local church around the person and work of Jesus Christ, and that needs to be the center of our smoldering fire, and if it's not, it will not turn into anything. I would, I would put my first flag into that. But repentance looks like what it looks like for these three communities here, the crowds. Do you have two coats? Give one of them to someone who doesn't have a coat, Repentance looks like social awareness. Give one of your coats to someone. Also, do you have lots of food? Give half of your food to people who don't. I don't even know who doesn't have food. Well then where's the invitation then? Guess who's got to learn who doesn't have food? Me and you and you and me and you. Next thing. Tax collectors don't extort right? Be truthful and practice just. What must I do for this kind of repentance? Be truthful and practice just, justice. There's so much opportunity there. It's not even, it's, it's blurry for us to hear that because we would just like to hear a message about how to seek Jesus in this season. This is repentance. This is the parts of Rome that have seeped into their desire for God. The last group of soldiers, it really doesn't even make sense why they're there in this story. They show up and he says to them, be content with your wage. Why would he even think to say that? None of us are unhappy with our wage. Right? <laughs> why are you giggling? You're all happy. Right? How much do we have? That The rule is true. Whatever you bring in, you're gonna have a life that has that much stuff. So right now you think, if I could just get that 20,000 more, guess what happens with your stuff? You just need that 20,000 more. What if you went home today? God, this could be this could become where everybody leaves the church. <laughs> what if you went home today and looked in your closet and you had so much stuff, good stuff? I'm talking about like stuff from Madewell. Mm-hmm. That's my household. You know what I'm talking about? That's not specific to you. I mean, I got them as gifts for you. So that was, that was now part, part, partly cleansed. It's not for me for sure. I wouldn't wear that stuff. I'm just kidding. It's good athletic stuff. You have 42 bats for your kids, right? What if you just went home and your one action towards repentance is to see what you actually have and then find someone that could use that stuff? And I'm not talking about getting your old nasty thing and giving that. I'm talking about, Do you have two jackets that are pretty decked out? You know what I'm talking about? Give one of those to somebody who doesn't have one. That's repentance. And then clearly, my favorite thing about John the Baptist is that he is never taking the bait that he is more important than he is. Every person in ministry across the globe needs to listen to John the Baptist here because they kind of want him to be the Messiah because he speaks with power. He ain't afraid to say it like it is. I'm not comfortable with that kind of thought. I was not a part of the communities growing up where they were just like, hell, fire, brimstone, do it now, fix it. That never, that never for me worked. But John had that and people wanted more of it. So they were like, let's circumvent this other that you might be talking about. You seem pretty good, dude. You seem pretty okay. What if we just worship you? He's like, guys, I am not worthy I have to be pointing to him. And that's so clear with him, being the one that carries this message, that shockingly and really kind of sadly, right after this story, he, his life ends. And to me, that's one of the most confusing parts of the Bible. Why does Jesus know he's, where he's at? He's about to have his head cut off. Maybe there's a connection to how prominent this figure in the story would have been. I'm not saying I wanted that to happen, but this person's life ends to point to one more, Jesus. People are a terrible Messiah. People will always fail, I think Tina mentioned this. People will always fail you and sometimes you have them sitting in Jesus' seat. So as soon as they be a people, you're disappointed and they're confused. They're like, "Why, why, why why are you even mad at me? They're not Jesus. There's no person on television preaching to us that's Jesus. There's no person in our network that's Jesus. There's no person in your life, best mentor you ever had that's Jesus. That person's best gift to you, hopefully, was doing this. Look over there, look at them. And then they can settle back into their humanity so that Christ can be Christ. That's what this river scene is about. That's what Advent's about. You're kind of right now getting close to these waters and you're like interacting with what might be surfacing. I'm bored in church. Part of that's because maybe I'm boring at times, and that's, I think I'm comfortable with that at this point. Part of that is because your lives are, and my life is so clogged with stuff, there's not even space. There's no wilderness space to hear the voice of the Father. Just the idea of being alone and still makes you want to run. Sit on a porch for two hours. Read your scripture slow, one passage, Just to marinate, not to brag, not to post a picture of you drinking a coffee with it. (laughs) Just sit with it for two hours. Go, take a day off of work and go to a river and be careful when you get there. (laughs) Put on worship music in a time at night with your family where you would just usually do a monotonous thing. Choose as a family to do it. Sit around your table For longer than you normally would. And as you go into those spaces, if something surfaces, if some kind of nudge happens where you recognize, I have an unhealthy relationship with this, trust that the Messiah that follows that voice is there to cleanse and heal and make all things whole and to bring shalom to the earth. Because the goal is not John the Baptist, he's the entry point, he's the doorway and repentance is the first fruit of a harvest to come. Whenever I see like true repentance in any person, any situation, any church, any I and you see it, I guaranteed you can bank on something good is about to happen. That's how revival started. You know, my my understanding with revival is about submission and selflessness. It's not about, like, demanding, and here I am, you listen. But when that spirit settles into a person or a group, the spirit that I'll go low as you go high, I'll be honest, I did bring Rome with me here. I do want to be a popular preacher. I do want to have, I mean, people have told me I'm going to have a television ministry. I'm not going to have a television ministry. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I don't even want that at this point but I have to be honest about the Rome I'm bringing to my Christianity. And if I can be honest and I can trust that this process of Jesus bringing healing to me is truly there and the river brings life, I can step in even if it feels dangerous. I can step into, I have too much of a focus on money. I have too much of a focus on my job. I mean, just clearly, if we're spending 70 hours a week working, that's not healthy, it's not healthy. Well, you you don't understand. If if I don't work that much, I don't get to pay for this stuff. Sell some stuff. Buy a smaller house. (gasps) Sell a car. You might not need four, you know, just for today. The answer isn't always bringing the water level up to your Rome. As we step forward, I love how specific it is for each community, too. I don't still get why he's telling the soldiers to be content But I do recognize that in our personal walks pointing to joy, one of the best robbers of our joy in Christ is lack of contentment. If you can be content in little, joy has space. If you can step into contentment, then you make you actually make way for the Savior to flood your soul. That's that to me is baffling but I want to be frustrated. I don't have as many friends as Mariah. I'm not as talented as Mariah. I told her the other day, it's literally like God was making people and there was four people on an assembly line and he was like, forgot about these rooms, like, Blo-lo-lo. I was like, oh, whoops, and then there's three people walking the planet right now, I can't even talk, I can't even walk right, they're like, sorry. I, I don't sing like Becca. I don't sing anywhere near like Becca. Right? I'm not as good of a coach as Levi, and that's clearly true. right? Like, I, I don't have as much money as Joel Osteen, who has it in his walls at this point. I don't even understand. I don't even understand that story, I'll be honest. But he's got $350,000 in walls. That's a thing. I'm not as smart as Craig. I'm not as musically gifted as Myra. Right, I cannot do as much stuff as Brett does in my. Brent does in my house. He took down a wall in one day, and it was okay. My house didn't fall down. <laughs> right, I don't look as much like Jesus as Ryan. Right, <laughs> right. I don't do groups as all of the things, all of those things. What what can you can be content in? I've, I find Jesus in nature all day long. I love it. I love sitting and watching shows with my son Noah. I told Sarah my favorite thing to do now is to watch a little, what's it called? Port protection? I don't even know what that means. We watch it together all the time. My favorite thing in my day right now is to sit down and watch that with him. Just be it. We talk about all the things, cutting trees down and all that stuff, making wood, I don't know, all that stuff. What can we be content in today? What, what can, if you can say, as you get close to those waters, you've given me so much, so, so much, I don't have all the things that I think I need, but you've given me so much. I'm not where I need to be in my faith, but you have given me this. Then we make space for the Messiah. I think that's awesome. So Becca, you can go ahead and come up. I'm gonna speak for just a second. After 2,000 years, these passages are apathetic to us, but we, the people of God, are the people who have to faithfully pursue God. We have to faithfully ask, in which ways are you refining us? We have to be like those at the river. And it feels harsh, but some of the best truths in your lives will come and they hurt and they really hit at a trust structure. But as we've talked about in the past, the things that we place our trust in keep us from the Father. So these are trust structures, right? Money. These are the ways in which these three groups successfully navigated Rome. Because there's a secondary way we do that. Steal from people. Hoard too much. Be upset and demand things from people. Those things work in Rome. They don't work in the kingdom of God. So as we approach the river, I want to pray for you today. As you kind of come near to the river... And to me, river is devotion. It's what I do in the morning. River is when I'm riding in my car and I'm listening to whatever I'm listening to with the Father. As I approach that river, what things are surfacing that can be so clearly repented of? Father, forgive me for pride. Father, forgive me for saying yes to shame. I know you're not giving me shame. Why am I walking in shame all week? You're not asking me to be this person. Forgive me for choosing it. Father, forgive me for focusing so much on how much I'm going to be buying my family for Christmas, or how much or if somebody going to care enough about me to get me gifts for Christmas? What are the ways in which this river is drawing out those things? Because it's good to be aware of them as you approach the river. If you would all stand with me, I want to re- I want to redeem this violent language. When I first used to read this passage, the axe is at the tree. And there's an unquenchable fire. I thought about that in one way. I thought, I'm, he's gonna cut me in half and I'm definitely gonna be in this unquenchable fire. But Jesus is not this Jesus. He's there with those things because he sees the fruit that's coming. He's cutting those things off. His ax is at that, that part of us. His spirit is working in those ways. So we're asking God to take those things and throw them in an unquenchable fire. Not you to take the next two, three minutes and just allow yourself even close your eyes with me just let yourself kind of walk towards the river and interact with Jesus imaginative prayer be at peace as as you do you can listen to the words and just interact where you are with your eyes closed. I'm just gonna ask you to remember your baptism. Even if you don't feel it, remember that you are created in the image of God. Remember that you are a child of the Most High God. Remember that you are the beloved as a son or daughter of the Most High God. Remember that you've been placed into a family whose bond is even stronger than a natural bloodline and that he has a future and a now for you to walk with him in. Remember your baptism even if you don't feel it. Just before we close, just a time of thanks. Anyone wants to say thanks to the Father for what He's already done before He does the others, this would be a good time to say it out loud, verbally, with your mouth.
1: So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, be heavenly hosts. Son and only ghost praise God, praise God from Father. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. All right, happy birthday, Sal, come on. Praise God from whom. People saving. Oh, I.
0: Love you. Thank you for people who led in the choir. Thank you for kids being a part of making Sunday service so beautiful. I pray, Jesus, that you would go before us, that you would be with us, that you would unite us, and that you would serve our city well with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Thank you again
0: for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.